you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to open it with me to Acts chapter 8. We will be in Acts chapter 8. Acts is in the New Testament. We are super excited about Baptism Sunday. Who's excited about Baptism Sunday? Yeah. I want to let you know that we baptized five people in the first service. You can clap for that too. That's awesome. And we are going to baptize one in this service. Brittany, where are you at? Oh, there, there she is, right? We're excited about baptizing Brittany. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We are so excited about what God is doing. And that's what all of this is about. This last month, we've been talking about what it means to be on an everyday mission. What it means to take everything that God has blessed us with, given us, and equipped us with to go and share the gospel with everybody that we come into contact with. That has been the call of this series is to take everything God's given us to use it for the sake of the gospel. Did you know that God uniquely created you, shaped you, and has prepared you to be able to share the gospel with those that you come into contact with? There's a passage in 2 Timothy 2 where Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he says this, that there are vessels in every house. In a great house, there are many vessels. There are some that are used for this, some that are used for that. That word vessel in the original language basically means dish or bowl. And basically, think about it this way. You and your house have a lot of different bowls and a lot of different dishes that you use for different things. For me, I immediately find myself thinking about like Tupperware and plastic containers. Anybody have that in their life, right? Like, uh, I know that I think this is universal language, everybody's got like a cabinet full of those things. And some of you are like my grandma. My grandma never met a plastic container that she didn't like, right? Um, If you open her fridge, it's a dangerous game of is this sour cream or is this chili from three weeks ago, right? You don't know. Like it says country crock. I open it up. It's vegetable soup. That's very disappointing and not appetizing at breakfast, all right? So it gets very confusing, but there's a reason that you keep all those different things. I know at my house, we have a lot of different ones, and I've always picked on my wife, Mal because we have some that are like, I'm telling you, like super tiny, like one inch by one inch, like a little cube. And I was like, why in the world would we ever need this? And then the other day, you know, about once a month, I try to clean the kitchen after dinner because I'm a good husband. All right. Some of you pray, pray for. All right. So, uh, yeah, once a month. Yeah, may, well, I updated it. I said once a quarter in the first service, uh, but I was trying to give myself some more cred here. All right. But I was cleaning the kitchen the other day, and there was just like a little bit of taco meat left. And I was like, I can't put all this in a container. I really need to. But you know what? Listen, I, this is just, you don't throw away tacos. Am I right? Amen? All right. See, I knew we could all get on the same page real quick this morning. Uh, so I used that little container. I was like, this is perfect. I'm so glad we had it. And, and when I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about how God has shaped us all in unique and different ways. And some of you think, well, how in the world could God use me? But I want you to know today that it's not an accident that God has made you the way that you are in order to use your personality, your gifts, your unique station in life to advance the gospel. But that same passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 21, it says that we are to cleanse ourselves so that we can be ready to be used by God. The reality is we're not already ready to be a vessel unless we ask the Lord to help us get there. So what I want to do today is hopefully encourage you, because if you've been here the last few weeks, the Bible has really been challenging us and confronting us and calling us to get out there 
and proclaim the gospel. It's called us to get beyond these four walls and start telling people about Jesus. And we've been fired up about that, but we've also been really challenged. And if you're like me, sometimes I find myself feeling really inadequate for that task. But what we're going to see today is that God actually goes before us and leads us into situations where he can use us for his glory. But the question becomes, are we willing vessels ready to be used by God? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into the scripture in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and we will get started today from the word of the Lord. Are you glad you're here today? Uh, I, I didn't even introduce myself. My name is Rusty. I'm the pastor here. And I was like fired up and just came out and started preaching because I'm excited about what God's going to do. So let's get straight to it. You ready? Verse 26 of chapter 8. The word of the Lord. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go forward to the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Let's stop here for a second and let me catch you up to what's happening. We dove right into the middle of a book, the book of Acts, and last week we were here and what we learned is that God started the early church. Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples and then ascended to heaven and the church began. The Holy Spirit comes down. Thousands are added to the church and the church is growing in chapter 3 where we studied last week. Peter and John see an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They take that opportunity. Thousands more come. The church is booming at this point. But when thousands of people join a movement, it has a tendency to make people around a little bit nervous. So it made the governing authorities of that time a little bit nervous and anxious about what was happening. And it also made the religious authorities of that time, the Jewish leaders, nervous. So what they did is basically began to persecute the Christians. Rome told the Jewish leaders, y'all do whatever you need to do to eliminate them. So they are killing people. Uh, they are torturing people. Persecution got so bad that at the beginning of Acts, what we see happening is what is known as the dispersion. Persecution got so bad that they all had to basically take up their families, their stuff, everything they had, and ran for their lives. So people have scattered at this point all around the world. By the way, I love this. This is something that's important to remember. The enemy was trying to kill Christianity in this movement that was the early church, but God used what the enemy was trying to do to instead spread the gospel to the ends of the known world. Sometimes when it seems like you are being pressed in at every side and it seems like everything is falling apart, can I tell you that maybe God is allowing that to happen to push you into what you need to be doing? It's an important thing for us to remember. So at this point, what was once a small movement in Jerusalem that was growing is now to the end of the world because these people are on everyday mission, y'all. So when they left and went to other countries and other nations, other cities, they took the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. So the gospel is continuing to advance. And Philip, who we just met here, is one of those persons. He was a deacon, one of the first deacons who was called, and he goes and finds himself in Samaria. Now, Samaria, if you have a, a church background, you may remember that Samaria is the same Samaria from earlier in the Bible. Samaritans were not liked by Jewish folks. They were uh, considered uh, to be, because they were multi-ethnic, they were considered to be second-class citizens. Can I just tell you, God does not make second-class citizens. And we are all in his eyes uh, to be worthy of honor and respect because we are made in the image of God. That's always important to remind ourselves when we have these moments, so much so that God sends Philip 
to Samaria. So he's there in Samaria and an amazing move of God happens. People are getting saved and not just there in the city there, but all through the region. He's going to different towns. People are giving their lives to Christ and there is an epic movement that God is using Philip for. So in the midst of this same movement, an angel comes to Philip and says, hey, head towards Gaza. And Luke, I love what he does here. He lets us in on something. That's a desert place. So imagine with me, you are Philip leading this epic movement in Samaria and an angel of the Lord shows up. I'm sure that there was probably a part of him that's like, ah, yep, about to get called up to the majors, right? Things are going good in Samaria. I'm about to go back to Jerusalem, be a pastor at the church there. Things are great. But instead, the angel says, hey, once you walk into the desert, how would you respond in that moment? Let's look and see how Philip responds. Verse 27 And he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So we're introduced to another character here, the Ethiopian eunuch. And he was so involved. In fact, it said that he managed all the finances for the queen. Uh, This Ethiopia is not the same as uh, today's Ethiopia, but it's in that same region. This is a long way this man has come to worship. And the Bible says that he is seeking God. But we know this, that because of his choices, if you want to read Deuteronomy 23.1, you don't have to. But it basically says, if you're a eunuch, you're not allowed in the temple. Okay? So that's your memory verse today, Deuteronomy 23.1. So he's not allowed into the temple. And because of that, he is very much an outsider. But he is wanting to become an insider, but he can't because of the choices in his life, or at least he thinks so at this point. So here he is after going to the temple, not being able to get in the temple, but getting as close as he can. Now he is heading back on a long journey. And verse 28 says he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. By the way, they didn't have you version and Bibles in every room of their home at this time. He's wealthy because he actually has a scroll that contains the book of Isaiah, or at least portions of it. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. It's from Isaiah 53. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus and he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Will you pray with me? We're just going to ask Jesus to help us understand what's happening here. Lord, we're thankful for the Bible. We're thankful that every time we open it, you speak to us. So, God, I'm asking you to do that today. Would you speak to us in such a way that we understand your word for us here in this place? We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I love this story. It is a powerful story of what happens when people put themselves in position to be used by God. But as I studied this passage, as I reflected upon this passage, I kept finding myself thinking about how can we be like Philip? And we're going to get to that in a few minutes and talk about that. But when you read this passage, it becomes very obvious very quick who the star of this story is. And some of you are like, yeah, the Ethiopian. No, God. God is the star of the story. Just a reminder, you need to know that the Bible is about Jesus. From from the front page to the last, you know, or as they, they'd say from uh, Genesis 1 to the maps, you know, I don't think the maps are infallible, but but you know what they mean, right? The Bible is about Jesus, and he is the star of the show here. And it's an incredible thing, and I want this to be an encouragement to you, because I think when we think about evangelism, we often jump straight to, here's what you need to do. And we've been talking all month about, hey, you got to get out there. you got to see the needs. you got to recognize the need. you got to jump in there. And I'm not trying to undo everything that I've preached the last three weeks. But here's what I do want to make sure we understand today. A very, very important truth, and it's put very simply, it's this. God's got this. God's got this. Last week we said, I can't, Jesus can. Today we are saying, God's got this. Can you say that with me? God's got this. Now there is a fancy, here's just a fancier way to say that in case you want to hear this. God is sovereign over evangelism. God is sovereign over evangelism. God not only uniquely creates, shapes, and gifts us, yet he also puts us in unique situations to be used for his glory. Have you seen this in your life? Do you believe this? I love how when you read this story, you see how God is pursuing the one. God loved the Ethiopian government official so much that he moved heaven and earth to reach one. Did you know that God is still in the business today of doing whatever it takes to reach those who are reaching out to him? It's a beautiful promise today. God has a way of reaching out for the one. He used an incredible set of circumstances to orchestrate this encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. First, we had a prepared sinner. A prepared sinner. Now, some of you are like, well, that's a little bit harsh, right? But the Bible says it this way. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned. None of us are immune from this. It doesn't matter who you are, how good you may think you are. The reality is this. Every single person has sinned. And because of that sin, we are separated from God. This man obviously knew this. The Ethiopian man knew that he was a sinner. And that's why he was also a seeker. He had come some 1,500 miles to go to the temple, even though he knew he couldn't get in. This man has scrolls. He studied up. He knows that he's not allowed in the temple, yet he is still going to be as close as he can because he knows that he is not right with God and he is trying to do whatever it takes to fix that. 
And it's clear in this passage that not only is this man seeking God, but God is seeking him, isn't he? Isn't this beautiful? He's in the desert, disappointed, bummed out, I'm sure, reading the scroll, just saying, Lord, I went all the way to the temple, and I still don't feel like it's right. Now I'm reading through the scroll, and this is Isaiah, it's confusing. But not only did we have a prepared sinner, we had a prepared text. A prepared text. It's Isaiah 53, and, and let me just tell you, uh, some of you where, where he said, how can I understand it? It's Isaiah. Some of you have said that before, right? I said in the first service, Isaiah is where your da- daily Bible reading plan goes to die, right? <laughs> some of you have been there, right? Like, you're doing good, and then you get there, and it's like, oh, what's happening right here? But there are these passages in Isaiah, though, that are so rich and that proclaim who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And they're beautiful passages, and this is one of those. This opened the door wide for Philip to be able to proclaim the gospel. This was a passage about Jesus. It says, starting with this passage, he began to tell him about Jesus. I love this. God prepared this moment for this time. The door was wide and he was ready to proclaim the gospel. But it gets even crazier than that. I hope you see how wild all this is, right? These are things that only God could have made happen. So he gets there. They read through the text. He starts sharing the gospel with them. And he says, all right, I'm in. I'm ready to follow Jesus. He accepts Christ. And at that moment, remember where are they at? The desert. And when he gets saved, what is there right there? Water. Now, listen, I'm not a geography guy, you know, like I I don't even know if that's the right word to use in having this conversation, right? So clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. But generally speaking, there wouldn't be water for baptism right in the middle of the desert. Yet in this moment, all of these things converge to make this happen. Now, friends, I don't believe that this was just everything coming together and being at the right place at the right time. I don't believe in random church. I believe in divine appointment. I believe that God made all of these things happen. And let me just take it a step further. I believe that even today, God knows that you are here listening to this message in this moment. Your friends may have drug you here today. You you may have just be a guest who just randomly stumbled in. You may be here for baptism today, and we're pumped you're here. We just know that all of us are here, but can I tell you, God is not surprised that you showed up. I often hear people say stuff like this, oh man, the roof's going to fall in when I step in that church building. Have you said that before? (laughs) Can I just tell you, God knew you were coming. God wasn't surprised. God didn't see you walk in and go, he's there? She's there? No, God knew this moment would happen and he knew this is the message you would be hearing from his word. I believe in divine appointment. This is a moment that God could use to change your life. God moved in miraculous ways to open the door for this moment of salvation for the Ethiopian man. The reality is he can do the same for you today. God is the one who opens doors for evangelistic opportunities. Again, the the phrase is God is sovereign over evangelism. Or the layman's phrase, God's got this. Say God's got this. So on one side of the coin, we say, God's got this. And I use the word sovereign, which I know makes people a little nervous for some reason. We're not about to have a theological debate. Some would say, well, if God is sovereign over evangelism, do I have to do anything? Well, yes, clearly. You see this passage. God used a willing vessel to go and be his hands and feet, didn't he? And that's what we see in Philip. Philip was a willing vessel. 
Look at what Philip does. God calls him out of the midst of a real thriving, booming ministry to go walk into the desert, and he does it. It's a picture of radical obedience. If we're going to be a willing vessel like Philip, then we have to become a people of radical obedience. Again, I cannot imagine in the midst of thousands of people coming to Christ when God says, hey, go into the desert. That he just says in verse 3, I believe, and he rose and went. He didn't ask questions. He didn't make a list of pros and cons. He didn't argue. He just went. That is radical obedience, isn't it? And let's take it a step further. Once he gets into the desert, the Spirit of the Lord... So let me just let me level with you. If an angel showed up and said, Hey, Rusty, I want you to go to the desert, I might be inclined to do that. Maybe some of you are thinking that. Well, an angel told him. Yeah, I'd do it if an angel told me. The second time, it's the Holy Spirit just nudging him, run to that chariot. By the way, Philip must have been in pretty good shape, right? (laughs) Hey, go catch up to that chariot. He got there and was able to have a conversation. If you had said, hey, Rusty, run back here and talk to me, I'm going to have to wait 10 minutes to catch my breath before we can have a serious conversation. That's all I'm saying. Even when I was, uh, I'm not going to say in shape, but more in shape, if I can just be all grammatically around the road, just follow me. I remember one time I was, was running on a treadmill and there was this guy at the apartment complex who always wanted to come and walk. And he, I, I guess he just, we kind of were friends, but our conversations happened like when I was in mile three and I was dying. And he's like, so what do you think about the Cowboys this year? And I'm like, like, yes. So I'm just telling you, there is no way this could have worked for me, but Philip runs out out there and stops him and he says he is bold enough to get there and then when he gets there he says hey do you know what you're reading that's bold isn't it it's radical obedience let me just tell you something i think that for me i've prayed away opportunities to do what god's called me to do God calls me to do something i'm like okay lord let me let me pray about it i see that chariot let me pray Lord, if you want me to go to that chariot, I just don't know. I'm waiting for some peace to wash over me. Even though you've asked me to do something scary, I'm waiting for that perfect peace. That's what, that's our, all, always our thing, isn't it? You know, and then, uh, Lord, just whatever you want me to do, I think I still see it. God, just what do you want me to, oh, it's gone, Lord. It's gone. I can't do it. Must not be your will. So like, unless the Lord runs me over with the chariot, it ain't happening, right? How many times have you missed opportunities God has called you to do because you've been reluctant to say yes to him? How many times have you maybe been like Jonah and you run from God's call instead of Philip who ran to God's call? God said, go to that chariot and he ran. Friends, we need to be people who run to say yes to the Lord. This is going to come as a shock to you today to hear this. I hate to even have to confess it, but... Because uh, it's going to be so hard for you to imagine this. But when I was a child, there were times where I had some disciplinary issues. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Mike. Shocked. And my dad would have a conversation. I think this translates. I, you know, I'm from Texas, but I think this probably happens in uh, Kansas, too. My dad would say things along the lines of this. Son, if your mom says jump, you say how high, Right. Friends, can I just tell you something? When God says jump, you don't need to ask any questions. You just need to do it. You just need to do it. Are you running to what he's called you to do? Or are you still hesitating today? The reality is we can totally miss opportunities that God is giving us for his mission and for the gospel if we're not willing to be radically obedient to what he calls us to do. 
But not only do we need to be obedient, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. In that letter I quoted earlier that Paul wrote to the young pastor Timothy, he also says this. He says, be ready in season and out of season to proclaim the gospel. Did you know that there is no off season for Christ followers? I know that as a pastor, sometimes I struggle with this. I find myself thinking at times that, uh, you know, like I, I work in, and study the Bible and deal with spiritual matters at the office all day and I go home and I'm ready to clock out. But listen, being a pastor isn't something I do. It's who I am. And in the same way, last week we said this about all of us. Following Jesus, being on this everyday mission isn't something we do. It literally becomes who we are. We are people who are on mission for Jesus everywhere we go. That means we have to be ready when God gives us opportunities. When God gave this chance to Philip, what did it say? Philip opened his mouth. Friends, it's important that you hear this today. We mentioned this last week, but you need to hear it again. We live in a world that that says things like this, that, that really well-intentioned statements like the only Bible some people may read is your life. The other very, very popular one that I think is probably misattributed to St. Francis is always preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. You've heard these, and they're well-intentioned statements. And yes, our lives should match what we say and believe, but can I just tell you something that you need to hear today? Words are always necessary. Words are necessary. We have to open our mouth and share when the opportunities come in our lives. It's important that we do this. Philip didn't just say, all right, man, good conversation. See you later and then run off, right? No, he had the opportunity and he opened his mouth, beginning with this passage that the Lord had arranged all these moments. He shared Jesus right then and right there. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, hey, listen, Rusty, you've come out and you've been talking and yelling for the last 15 minutes, right? So, like, you can do this. You're comfortable doing that. But me, not so much. But I want to just encourage you in this way. You don't have to preach a message. If you end up in a situation where God's giving you an opportunity, you don't have to be like, "Uh, let me go home and get my Bible real quick. Or let me go call my pastor. Can I tell you that God wants to use you to share the gospel with people? And it starts with something very simple. Just being ready to share your story. To just share what Jesus has done for you. To share what Jesus has done in your life and is doing in your life. And that will open the door for opportunities to share the gospel with people. But I do believe we have to be in the word and know the word and be ready when those opportunities come. I shared this with you a few weeks ago. People will oftentimes come to me for counseling about something or with a question. And then I will quote scripture to them. And people always just think, wow, he must have the whole Bible memorized because he just quoted Habakkuk 2 to me randomly, right? And what I told you a few weeks ago is so true. You know, most of the time, if I quote a scripture to you in a conversation, do you know where I came across that scripture? In my daily Bible reading that week. I know that shocks you. I don't have Habakkuk memorized. I can barely say Habakkuk, and I was scared that I might accidentally cuss, but I still said it. All right? Just going to move on from that. But when you read God's Word and you are in the Word of God until the Word of God gets in you, God will use you to share His Word and talk about it with others. Are you ready to share the gospel when God gives you opportunities? Are you looking for those opportunities? I want to encourage you today. 
God's got this. You may think, I can't do this, but, but let me tell you, you're right, you can't, but Jesus can. And God is orchestrating and leading you into situations that are ready for people to be receiving the gospel and for you to be sharing the gospel. So how should we respond today? I, I want to kind of just speak to, to two different groups that I know are here today. First, if you don't know Jesus and you're here today, can I just tell you something? I believe that God has you here again by divine appointment. He's prepared your heart. If you recognize today that you don't know Jesus, you are that prepared sinner, that prepared seeker who says, man, I know that I'm not right with God, but I want to be, and I've been searching and seeking and looking for answers. That's where I'm at today. And can I tell you that I believe God has a prepared text for you today. God laid this message on my heart. I've been working on it for a week. I scrapped what I had, and yesterday, this is what it is. And God did that for you today. And I would even say there's a prepared location. Hey, we got a baptistry right here. We're ready to baptize you. If you want to give your life to Christ today, we will baptize you right here and right now. Now, I also want to just tell you, because I know some of you are wired like me. You're like, I ain't getting saved today. He's going to make me get in that pool. No, you don't have to if you don't want to. If you want to, we'll baptize you. If you give your life to Christ today, Pastor Bob and I are going to be here, and we're ready to receive you and talk to you and pray with you. We'll baptize you right here, right now if you want to. But you don't have to be. We'll schedule that later. Because, listen, salvation doesn't happen here. Salvation happens here. So you can know Jesus right here, right now today. And I believe that God has led you to this moment to give you the opportunity to respond to him. If he's calling you to salvation, when we have our time of response, we're going to have pastors here. And we want you to come pray with us and say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And we'll help you do that right here, right now. But there's another group of you in here who might would say, well, hey, Rusty, I already know Jesus. But here's my question. Is this you? Are you a willing vessel? Are you living for him today? Are you walking in obedience What are some things maybe that you have been hesitant to do? What are some things maybe you're even flat out running from? What are the things you need to run to today? I pray that the Lord would release you to run into his call today. And also, are you ready to speak when God gives you the opportunity? I want us to pray and think about this today. We're going to have a time of response. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to have a song, and we're going to be here to receive you. If you want to pray, if you need prayer today, I will invite you to come pray with Pastor Bob and I. If you want to give your life to Christ, we are ready to talk to you about that today. And we're going to worship him. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity you've given us. Lord, I thank you for divine appointment. I thank you that it is not an accident that anybody is here today, but Lord, you have brought us here for such a time as this. So Lord, I pray that if you are calling people to yourself, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would be bold enough to step out and come talk to us so we could pray with them and that they can meet you today. Lord, I pray that that would happen. But God, I pray for so many in here who are like me, who know you, but if we're honest, have struggled with taking those steps of obedience. I pray that you would help us to ask you and see you working and that we would be willing vessels ready to fulfill the everyday mission you've called us to. Lord, help us respond in a way that brings you honor and glory today.
church family, guests who are here, can I invite you to stand in an attitude of prayer and worship? We're going to sing a song, and if you need to respond, if you need to come pray with us, we would love to do that. Let's just worship the Lord in spirit and truth.